This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Busy on this theme scripture for the year, Matthew 6 verse 33. Um, seeking first the kingdom of God. That's sort of our word for this season and it's for many people very difficult uh, when we focus on ourselves or sometimes we're in a fearful place or a challenging place in our lives or with our family or with COVID or whatever it may be, then it's difficult to just say, Lord, why are you telling me to seek the kingdom? But it's in the context of people worrying, of people being afraid. He says, but you first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and he will add all things to us. And so I want to encourage us to do that. And um, I feel this morning there's a specific word for some of us. Maybe it's applicable to most of us. And um, I think, especially for people that feel discouraged, people that have been running the race for a while as a Christian maybe, uh, or as a Christian, and maybe you've come to that place where where you're sort of a bit numb. You're a bit, they call it fatigued. You're discouraged. Um, if you think back over your life, you think like, wow, there were these pockets of times in my life where I was really on fire for God. I was really passionate. But I've, I've sort of drifted. Maybe the cares of this world, maybe the worries, maybe, maybe I'm, just, I'm just like my knees are, are like not strong. Um, and this word is specifically for you, specifically for you to, <clears throat> to begin to ask the Lord again to revive first your heart revive your family, revive us, Uh, especially as the church in the West, because I think too many of us sometimes listen to this, this thing becomes the voice in our lives and not the voice of the Holy Spirit, Uh, YouTube clips and all the others, even good Christian stuff, we listen to what people say in the opinions, almost as if this is the law, (laughs) almost as if this must give us direction and the news must give us direction, but you're going to go crazy if you're listening to the voices out there, because they have a narrative, they have a, a way of, of saying things and bringing fear or bringing sensation or bringing entertainment. But we know as the Church of Christ, God is challenging us to move away from consumerism, away from just receiving or just sitting or just thinking like being passive is really going to change anything because God is always at work. Jesus, when he started and we called each one of us, he says, come follow me and then I will make you. Following means there's movement. (laughs) Following means God is always moving. He's always doing, God is always at work, but he's also waiting for us. We're not waiting for him. He's waiting for us to say, hey, here am I, Lord, I want to follow you. Anyone that wants to pray that prayer, here am I, Lord, I want to follow you. Raise your hand. Cool. I'm just checking. This. No, 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 I'm joking, joking. But I think, I think all of us, we're challenged. And so uh, this morning we're going to talk about watching, keeping watch or being a watchman on the wall. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 6 to 7, it says, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man... I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. In the the Old Testament and in the cultural ways of especially how cities were built, 
uh, they were watchmen, and they were called to a position. And uh, we ended a couple of weeks ago with the scripture in, in Peter. Second Peter, it says, like, you know, we are holy priests. We're a royal nation. We're a special people who must proclaim his praises. And so all of us as Christians, we are supposed to be watchmen. And we're going to talk a bit about that. Because what we sometimes fall for is that we can outsource certain things to the specialized people in the church or in Christianity. But you cannot outsource prayer. You cannot outsource worship. You cannot outsource testifying of who Christ is, of proclaiming who he is. You can't say, well, that guy because he's more evangelistic or that lady because she's a pastor or that one because they... They're the specialized people in the kingdom. No, no, everyone is a priest. And firstly, we minister to God. Then we minister to the people around us in our own families. And then we minister to the world. Because that's what priests do. Every one of you, you can't say, well, oh, I'm in a tough season, so I'm going to stop worshiping the Lord. Because then the rocks are going to cry out. <laughs> you know, then other stuff is going to start to do it around you. So that is the challenging where it starts. And he says here in the Old Testament to Ezekiel, he says to Ezekiel and Jeremiah and a lot of these prophets in the Old Testament, and we'll see it many times, they were stuck in a place and they were, they were afraid and they were looking at these circumstances and they didn't feel like, hey, we're going to worship the Lord or we're going to prophesy or we want to be a watchman. They just, they just, just sort of like, oh, they were just like, oh, going passive, going numb, just like being there. But the challenge for us in the church is to arise and shine for his light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Although deep darkness may cover the earth, the Lord's glory will rise over you. Isn't that what Isaiah prophesied? He says you must arise in the time when there's darkness. You must arise in the time when it's tough. But not through your own strength, not because you psych yourself up, stand in front of the mirror every morning and say, be a Christian, prophesy, 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 you know, and then you psych yourself up and then you're like, you know, because some people do it like that. It's not like we're going to try to psych ourselves up every morning, but there's something that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. He wants to revive us. He wants to bring us to a place where we begin to live for him. And that's what he says to Ezekiel. He says like, hey. I'm going to hold people accountable because you can't outsource these things. And these people were actually appointed as watchmen over families, and especially the guys who were standing on the wall. So they would come and stand on the wall every day. They had like a slot, sometimes 24 hours. And then they would do certain things. The first thing, the most important thing that the watchmen would do, because now they're standing on the wall, there's a city inside, and the city is going on with everyday life and everyday things, and then they would... Look as to when the king is returning. And then they will blow a trumpet in a certain way to proclaim the king is coming back. And that would normally mean festivity. Dress yourself up. Get ready. Be vigilant. Focus. The king is coming. That was one of the most main things that the watchman did on the wall. Is they would say the king is coming. And isn't that a barometer for us as Christians your spirituality, I measure people's spirituality by their fruit and secondly, their deep longing for the coming of the king. And if you've lost that, if you don't long for him as the bride, you have to search your heart this morning. 
The first church greeted each other at the Maranatha, our Lord Jesus come. Every day when you wake up and you have this deep desire, Lord, I know I'm just passing through this life, but you're coming. And you have a, not a drivenness, but an urgency. And you want to tell the people that the king is coming. Are you preparing yourself? Is your wedding dress on? The bride is making herself ready. Can I get an amen? That was a good place to say amen. But in any case, I'm, I'm just busy with the introduction and you guys are staring at me. But in any case, so you see, this, therefore you shall hear the word from my mouth and warn them. So there's, there's an urgency that's lacking in the church. And there's an urgency that the watchman would bring. That would say, hey, prepare yourself, be ready, don't have these filthy garments, come on. You know, encouragement sometimes, sometimes exhortation, sometimes challenge. So, some homework quickly. The next slide. I, I sort of put a couple of things on there that watchmen do. And I want you to think of any scriptures that you relate to any of these things that I've written on there. Any scriptures, one a verse. Get one, you have to get one verse that connects with one of those things. Having your eyes on Jesus. Looking out for the enemy when the enemy is coming. Because that's what watchmen also did. They looked out to when the enemy is coming and say, hey, lift up the gates. Close the gates. The enemy is coming. We're protecting the walls. We're building a fortified wall in a city. Watch your heart. Proclaim the king's coming. I said that. Be sober. Be vigilant. Exhort each other, your friends, your small group. Having an urgency and intentional relationships. So I want you to take a scripture, any scripture, maybe you can't think of one. And I want you to think of a scripture that connects to with any of those things that watchmen do. I want you to share it with a friend next to you. Ooh, now we're going to get into like, oh. <laughs> if you don't know any, then it's all right, you know. I'll help you with the first one, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Looking, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Okay, run the race, focus on him, you know, the author and the finish of your faith. So if you don't have a scripture, then share that one. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, it just came to mind. Just tell your neighbor, it just came to mind, okay? So any scriptures, even if you don't know where they stand, this is your homework. I want, I want you to go and take this home, and I want you to get scriptures as to some of these principles that watchmen do. They look to Jesus. They're watchful, sober, they're vigilant. Sure, now everybody's like, oh, did I bring my Bible to church? Okay, this is a, it's a Christian church, okay? We are, we are Christians here. Um, this is, we love it to be here and we love the Bible, we love the Word, okay? But I'm not going to spoon feed you because that's not good. Christians do. Church is not your Bible study for the week, okay? Church is just celebration of what God has done in the week. Amen. We don't go to church, we are the church. Okay, quickly, once you're finished, get one scripture. If it's only Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, open Hebrews 12 and 1 and 2. Don't quote Ecclesiastes now because you're going to get the verse wrong. Any scripture that comes to mind, I want you to share it with somebody next to you. Okay, we're going to take three minutes with this, okay? So you thought like, oh, and I'm going to just sit and do nothing this morning. Get it out there. Some people are Googling like mad, eh? All the data is gone. Or maybe you can just remember a story in Scripture that relates to one of those, you know? Look out for the enemy, like Gideon's army that was lapping up the water and staring at what the enemy was doing. Or... Okay, great. We're going to get some examples quickly. So anyone a Scripture on having your eyes, keeping your eyes on Jesus? 
Yes, Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2. I just thought, oh, wonderful, you're all saying the same. Okay, anyone that says a scripture that look out for the enemy, you know, something related to that. Yeah, you're all saying, yes, that's great, yes, yes. Thank you for your enthusiasm over there, okay? John 10, 1 Peter 5. Who said that now? Okay, Greg, shout it out. 1 Peter 5 verse 10. Verse 3, verse 8, verse 18, verse 8, okay, shout it, shout out the scripture. No, but say the scripture. <laughs> yeah, same like that, be sober, be vigilant, because... The devil is walking around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, but he's walking around like one. He's pretending to be one. Another scripture there for watch your heart. Anyone that's got a scripture on watch your heart. No, no, no. <laughs> Proverbs 4 verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Oh, keep your heart with all diligence. Anyone proclaiming the king's coming. Well, everyone is mumbling. Everyone is like. Romans 10, verse 15. Look, Risha. <laughs> Google. No. Uh, get to it quickly. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Ooh. Okay. Be sober, be vigilant. Some more, uh, scripture on exhorting your friends, challenging your friends. I did it this morning. Command the rich to give. That's what the exhortation means. Okay, anyone else? Ach, you know. um, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Okay. So challenging people towards an urgency or intentional relationships. Anyone? Sorry? Okay, you're making me fit today. <laughs> I played tennis yesterday and it's crazy. Seven sets. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Wow. Here we go again. Okay, turn to your neighbor. Tell them your favorite scripture of the, of the lot. Quickly. One scripture that stood out, share it with somebody. Okay, thank you for your enthusiasm. Great. We're going to look at two characters quickly in the Bible, and then we're going to pray for each other. The first one is Jeremiah. Jeremiah was in quite a tough place. And you know, prophets, whether it was Isaiah or Jeremiah, there's the major prophets and the minor prophets in the Bible. They were all ordinary people, but God called them. And God called them mostly to speak to a hard-necked, stiff-necked people. And Isaiah, we see Isaiah seeing in Isaiah chapter 6, seeing the Lord, a hind lifted up. And then... He has this encounter with God, and once he had this encounter with God, 
God begins to cleanse him, cleanse his lips. He realizes like the culture that he's in is miserable. He says, woe am I, Lord, for I come, my lips are clean, and I come from a people whose lips are unclean. And then the Lord sends the angel, cleanses his mouth, and then the Lord asks this question, who shall we send? The father asks himself and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who shall we send? And then Jeremiah, Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. And the rest of his life, he prophesies and mostly are rejected towards the word of the Lord. And God would always speak to his people, even Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah 20, it says, then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak anymore in his name. So Jeremiah said, I'm finished. I am finished and clear. Finished. It's over with me. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. For I heard even many mocking, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced. Perhaps he can be seduced. Perhaps she can become passive again and just withdraw and just lose her passion and her heart and her hunger for God. Perhaps, perhaps God doesn't want to use you. There's so many perhapses coming against the church today. Perhaps, and it's people. Sometimes, if you are a Christian and you want to be on fire for God, the greatest opposition will come from nominal Christians and religious Christians that will always tell you what you can't do. I'm going to say something very strong, but my greatest persecution has not come from the world, but from people in the church. The criticizers, the, those who are negative, they always, they always know what they're against, but they don't know what they're standing for. Stay away from them. Don't even listen to them. You know, I know him, Angus, very personally, and, and over the years, I met him in 1997. If you would know the messages that good-hearted Christians send him with swear words and negativity now he doesn't even read those stuff for 15 years already they've appointed someone to just filter through all the hundreds of males the good ones and the bad ones they have they have two categories <laughs> praise god the positive ones are still more than the negative ones but what ordinary people that have been taken captive by the devil because that's what scripture says. We'll do the moment when you step out. It's a bit of a warning. The moment when you say, God, I want to be on fire for you. God, I want to do your will. Then the devil says, pick her out. Let's hurt her heart. Let's defile her heart. Let's contaminate. Let's discourage her. Let's, let's just come against her with everything. And especially slander and backbiting and stuff from the back. Always good intentional people. And how are they used? Now, it can also happen that you are being used by the devil in your own life. When you open up your life for accusation, the devil's main function in the church is to divide, to accuse, and to deceive. 
So what he does is he is the accuser of the brethren day and night. I spoke to a guy this, this week on Thursday, just a really unpassionate, uh, unpassionate, a passionate student going, being on fire. And he says, suddenly just people are like, just saying, oh, I didn't think people like you would be so passionate for God. Just, just like these hints, just like the stuff on the side. And I said to him this, I says, said, remember, God never speaks accusational. God doesn't point the finger. God speaks invitational. He says, hey, come. All who are thirsty, come. Where you are, come out from where you are and come and meet me. This is what I have for you. But what you're busy with, let go, let go, because I have so much more. I've come to give life and life in abundance. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that thief creeps in in that. You know, a robber comes and stares you in the eyes and says, give me what you have. A thief finds a way in somewhere into your home when you are asleep most of the time. Don't let the devil come in through your back door. That's why we should be watchmen. And that's what Isaiah said, you know, and the Lord says to him, the Lord is with me as a mighty awesome one, but the Lord is with me. He says, so they said, hey, we will make revenge on him. He will not prevail, but the Lord is with me as a mighty awesome one. See what Jeremiah's focus is? He's tired, he's discouraged, but he says, but the Lord is with me. The mighty, awesome one. The second character, quickly, is the one Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is in the king's palace. He's going hunky-dory. He's drinking pineapple drinks, everything. He's the cupbearer. And Nehemiah, in verse 4, so it was when I heard these words. So the people come, bring report back as to the condition of the household of God. And then Nehemiah goes as... Said, when I heard this word that I sat down and wept and I mourned for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, so the one who wanted to give up completely, the other one was completely in his comfort zone, Nehemiah. But his heart was still pure. He wanted to serve God. And maybe you're in one of those two categories. Like Jeremiah, you're completely like, ah, you know, I want to give up. I'm finished with ministry. I'm finished with the things of God. Oh, just in my heart. Maybe I don't say it, but I feel like that. The other one was like in a safe space. <laughs> appointed at a position and then he hears the word of the lord the people come back and say i want to tell you what jerusalem is looking like destroyed down to earth and i was fasting and weeping and praying before the god of heaven and i said i pray lord god of heaven and listen to these prayers it's so beautiful oh great and awesome god again not bringing god down to their level and say oh lord you really can't do anything a great and awesome God, we know who you are. You keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. So he's praying, he's weeping before God days and nights. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants. And confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. So he goes into deep repentance. He says, God, this passivity in my culture. Lord, this where, where we just add you on a Sunday and we just do little bits for you and we think we're okay. Our culture is wretched. The church is in a panic-stricken 
moment in this west we are we are passive and the world is waving over the church and if that doesn't burden you the church of christ and you don't have a burden for that then see i say god whoa but nehemiah was okay he was in a good spot but then the holy spirit takes control he says god we have sinned against you both my father's house and i have sinned verse 7 we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments the statutes nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant moses remember i pray the word that you commanded your servant moses and i comes into remembrance the word of god the promises of god some of you must take out those promises of god again over your life you must put them on your walls and remind yourself and remind god not that he forgets you forget i forget <laughs> Say, God, you have spoken this over my family. You've said, Lord, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But are you a watchman over that word? You must watch over that word. You must watch over that family. God is not going to do that for you. But listen to these prayers because these guys were watchmen. They said, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the furthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling place for my name. It's Nehemiah praying, verse 10. Now these are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of the king. He didn't really need it to respond. But he realized, like, Lord, there's a burden. There's a, there's a cry out into the presence of God for the state of the families of our nation, for the state of the families of this town, for the people that are wretched and desperate and discouraged. And, and you can decide this morning whether you want to go there or not. And then we see how Nehemiah goes out, Woo, and he goes out in the middle of the night, and he goes to look. His, his prayers is not just a, a vain prayer. His prayer has got action. He goes out. He takes a couple of men. They sneak up to Jerusalem, and then he realizes, oh, no, it's much worse than he's actually even thought. And then he goes back to God. He says, okay, God, we need a plan. And the Lord says, you command every family to build in front of their house. Oh, and then comes the critical ones, the Sanballat and the Tobiath. They try first to intimidate him. Then they mock him. They say, like, who are you to come and restore this nation? We will rebuild it. Oh, and then they start to make schemes. You know, they go to the king and say, oh, this guy's really not legit. You know, he's really, he can't do anything. Because the moment when Nehemiah, he had no trouble like that. The moment when he steps out, all hell breaks loose. But Nehemiah, even eventually when they're on the wall, a whole army comes against, of their own people comes against him and says, who are you? And Nehemiah says, no, take your sword and take your plowshare, your building material. And with the one hand you build and with the other one you fight. Build, fight, build every family. And in a record time, the walls were restored. In a record time, the watchman could stand on the walls again. Say, there's a king coming. And Jeremiah stands there and says, Lord, one man, one woman, one person willing to say that. But it takes all the families to rebuild. It takes everyone to build in front of their house, like Tosca said this morning. Everyone to say, hey, I've got a gift. Maybe it's just to bake cake. Wonderful. <laughs> Maybe it's just to serve, to pray. 
Maybe it's just somewhere where I can begin to stand in the gap. Just the last slide, allowing yourself to see. You need to see. That's what Jeremiah did. That's what Nehemiah, so many people. The Bible even says of Jesus, when he saw the people without sheep, without a shepherd, then he was moved by compassion, and then he healed them all. You will never be moved until you see. First, see who God is. Secondly, see, go out there. You have to take a risk. You have to move out of your comfort zone. You have to think like, what is that challenge? Because sometimes God will give you a burden, even inside the church, and you think like, oh, you know, that white board's on the side there, it really irritates me. You know, why do they put the stuff? Why do they say welcome to your family there? You know, maybe, maybe we must do something else, you know. It's, it's, it's just, it's gekrekel, it's, it's gekrekel, you know. It's, it's, it's not... It's not looking good, you know, because look, oh, oh no, if we could just pull this thing, you know, because look at it, it's just, you know, just, just pull it straight, you know, just like, can these people in the church not look, look these, oh man, look at this, dirt all over, do you use Omo, what do you use, you know, is it stay soft, what, what is it, you know, no, 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 this stuff just irritates me, then bring your iron next week, come and iron the thing out, you know. If it irritates you in the church, it means you have to fix it. <laughs> or you can criticize and say, ah, no, you know, that guy is too short and he preaches too long. I don't know what you're going to do about that, but in any case, <laughs> pray for length. Not for multiplication, for length, I mean, for length. Watch me when I'm in heaven. I'm going to be two, 2.5 meters. But they can't sleep well in, on a bed, but I don't know if we sleep in heaven. But in any case, so... But take a risk, live by faith. Trust in the word of God, trust in the promises. Go back day and night. Don't lose that burden that God has given you. And watch your heart. Watch your heart. Because the devil will come to steal. When there's unforgiveness in our hearts, when we lose the softness, we can't respond to God and we can't respond to people. And I've seen so many Christians just over the years just become negative, critical. And then when anybody else wants to move out, they also, oh, you know. Oh, no, 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 no. When you grow up, you will also be more balanced. We use these words, you know. People come to us and say like, Oh, how are you? Everyone says, I'm busy. I'm so busy. But busy with what? Seek first the kingdom of God. Are you willing to take up your place on the wall? To tell the world there's a king coming. To tell the people of God, make ready inside of the city, build. Let's be building. Let's each one find their place. That's what watchmen do. And everyone is called to be a watchman. At least over your own family. Do you pray over your household? Starts in prayer. Do you pray over the people around you in your neighborhood? You can't outsource that to the spiritual one in the neighborhood. You have to do it. Because that's what Christians do. We respond. Not because we have a list or a set of rules we have to do. But because we know the king. We have a fire in our hearts that burn for him. We don't just play church church because we want to be entertained on a Sunday and see whether the short guy or the tall guy is preaching. No. 
We're watchmen. We're standing out. We're watching for the king. We, we have eyes fixed on him. It's an intimate relationship, and we respond to that intimacy by telling the whole city, he's coming. Are you ready? And then telling the world, come into the city. Come. Come, there's a safe place for you. Come, there's a place of salvation. Come, there's a place of forgiveness. Come, there's a place of freedom. Trust God at his word. God is doing something amazing among us. There's the Holy Spirit is beginning to move like I haven't seen in years. People are beginning to get dreams and visions. Are you ready? There's a spontaneous breakout among many people here with us in the church. And you can choose. Nehemiah, Jeremiah, critical, negative, self-pity. A couple of weeks ago, the Lord said to me, self-pity is a sin. I said, oh, I must probably tell the church. And he says, no, no, it's telling you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Lord, you can't speak to the pastor like that, you know. <laughs> I'm going to end off with something very, very tough. But I'm just sharing my burden because the Lord woke me up this week. And he's been doing that the past couple of months. Just challenging me on certain things. We as the church in the West, especially, because we hear a lot of sermons on the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, we think that we're more special than the principles and the laws of God. Let me use an example. Scripture says, what you sow, you will reap. But because our main focus is just on the love of God and we don't understand the fear of God, we think that I can go on with my pornography, I can go on with my masturbation, I can go on with sin in my life, but what am I doing? I'm sowing to the flesh. And God will never violate his rules or his laws. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. If you sow in the spirit, you will reap in the spirit. But somehow we think, and I sometimes think like, oh God, you love me so much that obviously that doesn't work for me, you know. <laughs> you, 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 just, you just pass me by, but it's really true for the rest of your body and for the other Christians, but it's not true for me. God will never violate these principles. The law of sowing and reaping. The law of giving. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. <laughs> It's getting very quiet in here. But somehow we are deceived to think that we are more special. And that God will just like, oh, no, just pass him by, you know, <laughs> just pass her by. So what are you sowing? Are you sowing spiritually? Are you living in that space where you're on the wall? It's tough, but it's true. May we be a spiritual church. We are not a reformed church. And we're not a hyper-Calvinistic church. We are a spirit-filled church. That means everyone live in the spirit and we trust God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are not a reformed church. If that is your main theology, you are welcome to go to a reformed church. But here, we value the working of the Holy Spirit. Here, we value the encounter people have with God every week. Here, we value the 
gifts of the Holy Spirit, not, we don't pursue them. We pursue love, but we desire the gifts. I'm just saying that for the record. Because why? More than ever, with this broken generation, they want to see that God is real. My Bible says signs and wonders will follow those who believe. So the fruit of somebody following Jesus, according to me when I read the scripture, is signs and wonders. We don't follow the signs and the wonders, but Jesus still heals. Jesus still delivers. Jesus does miracles. I was sitting with, will you stand with me? I want to share this testimony quickly. Because I'm, I'm going to start to preach another sermon. But I want to finish with this testimony. So just this week, I was meeting up with somebody. And this guy didn't believe in miracles at all. He's a, he's a, he sort of would acknowledge it, but not, it's a pastor. But I realized like this guy's lost his fire for God. Now, I can't go and say, hey, fire, 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 fire. Let's do fire around you, fire, fire. You know, because some people do that. They go like, fire, 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 you know. And I think, oh, you know. And I've, I've been in churches where they try to push me over, you know. Then you stand in front here, and then they go like, push, push. And I say, I'm not going to be pushed over, then I resist, you know. And I'm just thinking like, if it's authentic, and you fall, great. If it's authentic and you stand, great. But does your life change when you encounter God? That's the question. If somebody falls on the ground, they stand up and they're still the same, it wasn't God. But if they stand up and they changed, it's God. And only that person can tell me. Because it will bear fruit. So we're in this meeting with this guy and I'm thinking like, how am I going to try to persuade? Now I'm trying in my own strength and I'm... But the Lord tells me to go and meet this guy at a specific place, and, and we come there and start the conversation. And I'm, the Lord just says, like, hey, are you doing the work where I'm, do, I'm doing the work? I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> you're Lord. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to counsel you on how you must do things. Sometimes we counsel God in prayer, tell him what he must do, when he must do it, how he must do it. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.